Hey guys, TJ Schwartz here. I'm with Lucas Burnley, my co-host. This is Edge and Flow Podcast. Today, we're bringing to you a topic and we want to basically circle around the concept of multitasking and whether it's efficient or smart or if it's, it is an ideal goal like it's portrayed to be, or is it a myth? Or is it a necessary evil? Yeah, could be a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> right? I'd say my first inclination is to is to say that I have seen like more conversations about multitasking in the greater space of like self improvement um, recently, at least in recent years. It seems like that. It seems like I heard somewhere that people talked about it being less humanly possible than previously thought, and that when some people say they're multitasking, they're really single tasking but changing between them really fast. Yeah, that's and, that's what I think the the primary argument is at this point. And I think that's where as a maker, there's room for it. It's not necessarily like a best practice, mm-hmm. but I do think it's different than potentially being in an office environment. Um, right. But we can get we can get into that more. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, I was, yeah, just a, just kind of a leading statement there. It's actually kind of our whole podcast is probably just us interrupting each other's thoughts. Uh, no, I don't <laughs> think, it, I hope we haven't been too bad with that. Maybe, maybe it's all broken and we just have no idea talking over each I just other. Get like excited. Siblings. Yeah, just no, get it's a good time. <laughs> but so, uh, okay. Yeah. So, well, a couple thoughts on this, right? So multitasking versus single tasking, um, multiple projects at mm-hmm. the same time. The first thing that comes to mind, like as you're, you're, you're doing CNC stuff right now is multitasking in our way would be running the CNC machine while you're doing finishing work by hand. Mm-hmm. I would make the argument that that is kind of an optimized usage of time. And it's not coming at like a high cognitive cost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you're, you're, because you're essentially, you're using your resources to set up the project, in this case, the CNC. That is then running autonomously. Mm-hmm. You are then shifting focus to work on something that is that fits inside of that time pocket. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, in the past, I've had a hard time even because CNC is, pers- you know, described as automation, but I've had a I've had times in the past where I thought I was going to be productive beside the machine doing other things and it didn't work out. And what I started to learn was like, what are the things that are taking up my bandwidth when it comes to the CNC? And one of the recent developments I came up with specific to CNC was when I lay out all my parts that I'm machining, if they're the same part and I'm doing consecutive, you know, a sequence of the same part, if I can establish like where I am at the point of diminishing returns for tool life, like, let's say, yeah, I could squeeze 15 parts out with this ball end mill, but after like 11, 12, I got to be watching it and paying attention mm-hmm. and listening. Then what I'll do is I'll just say, well, 10's enough. And then what I'll do is I'll make sure I have enough tools and I'll line all the parts up on the bench and I'll set one of those ball end mills, if that's what it is, on every 10th part so that I can forget about it. And then, like I said earlier, like eliminate the actual need to to intend to multitask. And that way, when you come back and you pick up the part for the next part and it's got a tool on it, it's like, Oh, I need to change the tool. That way I, I wasn't trying to listen to the machine or like think about the finish or anything like that. You're reducing, you're reducing 
the amount of information that you have to continue processing. You're creating a right. fail safe. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, totally unrelated in that it was all hand. So I just, I just finished, um, a run of sterling silver Cypop beads mm-hmm. and they're, they're square. Um, basically in the polishing process, there's four faces, six total. So four sides, two top and bottom. Um, each one of those faces requires four steps to polish. Um, actually five. So five steps to polish. When you're working through a hundred pieces, it's really easy to like accidentally like forget where you are in a part. Right. Mm -hmm. So what you end up doing is you end up doing more work because you're not sure that you've done a surface. And this is like, you know, buffing compounds building up. So it's a very similar way of what you're doing in that I create a count. Mm -hmm. And so for the four faces, each face, I only count once because in the back of my head, I can keep track of the four, the four motions, Mm -hmm. but I count one, 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 one. I change faces two, 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 all the way through six. Um, it's that same thing. Like, basically I don't want to have to just constantly come back to remembering like, yeah. Oh man, did I go, did I, am I going clockwise counterclockwise? So I think there's a lot of things that we do inside of a decision-making kind of sphere that we create processes around so that we don't actually have to actively attend to them. Yeah. Which creates space for another individual task. Yeah. And it's amazing how, when I learn more about computers and programming and stuff, it's amazing how applying what you know about computers and programming and CNC to your own brain is, is useful like the algorithm way of approaching tasks. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Cause it's amazing how our brain, it, it's like, obviously it's a, an organism. It's not exactly a computer, but it has some of the same fundamental principles in that. Like if it's going to do a task repetitively well, but if, it, if you have a couple of like confusion points that'll, it'll stick and like get in circular loops. And like, if you have that set up and it's like, kind of like if you're writing code, if you write clean code with no circular loops, like it'll run well. Mm-hmm. Um, but your brain in, in, a, in the wrong environment can like do similar things. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. It's cause we get pop-ups, you know what yeah, I mean? <laughs> you're, you're, and you're getting constant pop-ups, right? Yeah. And over the course of a day, this is, there's, there's kind of two things that tie into multitasking for me. And this has been for years and years and years. Um, there's multitasking on a day-to-day level. And then there's like multitasking, over the course of a year or a career as it relates to the way that you're operating your business. So over the course of a career, I think it it's definitely you're breaking it down into individual tasks, mm-hmm. but there's no way that you're not complicating your day-to-day system by increasing the amount of tasks that you're having to attend to on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis. Right. The question there is if there is overall more value in that workflow and that method than being very focused inside of one type of work or process, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, and, this is a little bit of a tangent, but it, it kind of feeds into this. So I, I just got a Pearson palette system delivered 
And I'd watched a video. Of, I forget the guy's first name. Jay Pearson. Is that his for the guy who uh, owns I'm the not company? Sure, actually, but the guy that owns Pearson. He's the last name first guy. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And what's up, Pearson? Yeah. Pearson. Yeah. And he he has a YouTube channel that's amazing. And I was watching a shop tour, and he was talking about for his own brain delegating knowledge. So not only tasks, but this is kind of strange. But like for example when he has a parts cleaner and he has a, a system for like, this is what we do with aluminum parts. This is what we do with this part. He, he prints everything, writes out all the information and laminates it and puts it next to everything. Even if it's not an employee doing it, because I've found that where even though I'm the only one in the shop, I'll come back to my sandblaster and be like, Oh, what PSI for G10. And it's like, if everything is printed and laminated, the beauty in that is like the liberating factor of as soon as you stick it to the machine or to the wall, you automatically know you can forget it. And so you don't have this background process of remembering like all these numbers and things. Um, and so it's like not only delegating uh, computational effort, like your brain's algorithms, but co- just knowledge, just information is like yeah. getting it out of your head and onto paper um, where it's accessible. I think that's brilliant. We've talked, I think we've talked about my process sheets before. That's something I do. So Hmm. for like, I don't don't know how many. Okay. So every time I start a folder, a pocket knife, right? I have a process sheet that is a check base, like form. Mm -hmm. I've done this for probably 15 years. And at this point I do it for, I have it for fixed blades. There's some things where I haven't like Psypops at this point, like I don't have a process sheet. But when I had employees, we developed them. Mm-hmm. And the idea was that if you do a job and you you write down the process, you have that as the springboard, right? So that ties mm-hmm. in like, because you're not resolving a belt progression. You're not mm-hmm. the PSI, the grit. Um, it's, it's a process of basically not having to solve the same problem twice. Yeah. Yep. I can build a folder without my, you know, jump list. Mm-hmm completely beside the point. If I sit down with my list, I just start checking off boxes. It serves two purposes. One, there will be like, I would forget something. Eventually Mm -hmm. you do something out of sequence. The second thing is you have an achievable kind of range of tasks that you're crossing off a list. So like going further into like the idea of, you know, time management or efficiency study, the ability to like sit down and be like, okay, cool. Like I crossed off those five blocks of information. Like as a human, it's very satisfying Mm -hmm. to see progression in a project where you're not actually seeing it through to completion. Mm -hmm. For sure. So it's like it, it eliminates decision fatigue. It eliminates mistakes based on some type of, you know, um, like oversight Mm-hmm. And it becomes a teachable process because the way that I look at it as a best practice is anything I do, I should be able to teach in that, that I think that gives it the, the overall, it makes it more efficient Yeah, right? and more for robust. myself too. Like I have to be, there's accountability, there's accountability to the job because you, I'd have to be able to explain that job to someone else. Mm-hmm. Right? And then sometimes in doing that, I'd imagine when you're creating I mean, some people would call it a, what is it? A, uh, what's the engineering term? You, you called it a process sheet. Is that yeah, what you like called a process it? sheet, I, jump uh, sheet. Yeah. 
I think it's, I think they call it, uh, what is it? A flow chart. That's what I was thinking. A flow chart. Um, the, where I actually got it from. So like very early on, um, I worked in welding industry. I worked at a place that made cell phone towers and it could be totally anecdotal, but one of the guys there was talking about this story from, I think the guy was like a, like a, he was a welder on submarines and he used these process sheets and it's like, it started at the very most basic level of like, get material. Mm-hmm. Well, what's the material? Okay. Get rod, get, and I, and I loved it so much because I was like, yeah, absolutely. Like as soon as you start working, you're in motion on, in like you're, you're completing. You're mm-hmm. like, well, all right, I got my material. I got my, you know, and so for like Quikens and stuff I do, I spec out materials. Like a lot of times when I'm starting the build, so I know like, okay, cool. Here's what, here's my materials. Here's my tooling it's just a really nice way to not have to be constantly making these like micro decisions. Like, and as you, or or I think this, I I think let me like take a step back. The idea of multitasking through individual steps is made much more efficient. If you are able to forget things and still have them achieved. Yeah, for sure. And I think, one of the main things I, I've been like theorizing how I would set up a system like that. And it's cool to hear you. I don't think you've ever told me about that. And that's inspiring. It's something I want to do. But one of the main things that trips me up is I'll need to like, I'll be at the very first step in my head of like, I need to order tooling and belts for yep. X, Y, Z project. And I'll try to remember like what I, cause I'll experiment with belts and tooling. And then maybe a few months later, I'll circle back to that and be like, which one was it that I actually liked? Right. I can't remember. You know what I mean? Like I, I ordered a couple different 320 grit belts. I can't yeah. remember which one was the best one. And so it, you, you get into that system where you're resolving problems by like f- looking back into your memories. And right. it's like and you expand that over the course of years. Yep. And there's there's things like so this use the bead project as as an analogy for this. Like it's been a very long time since I've worked with silver. Mm-hmm. I had a process for polishing. I have not done it in years. Mm-hmm. So literally over the course of a hundred pieces, I had to redevelop my system. At the end of this time, I took notes. I keep like a general, like a shop journal. Mm-hmm. So dated entry, silver beads, what materials, like what polishing compound I use, which, oh, I ended on a soft muslin buff mm-hmm. instead of, you know, this other stitched buff or whatever it is. And that's that is information that I can look up 10 years from now. Yeah. And not have to resolve the problem yeah. because solving problems, it's always experimentation. It always costs time and money. Yeah. Learning yeah. is painful. Yeah, like, no kidding. There's yeah, no it, way around it. It's something I've been thinking about a lot because I'm going through as I'm expanding my shop, it's it's a problem that's growing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's like I said, it's it keeps biting me when I go to order things and it keeps biting me when I go to set the PSI, like I keep having to think twice or maybe make the same mistake twice, you know, to, to right. remind myself. Um, so yeah, that's, that's all interesting. And I'm trying to think of exactly how it ties into multitasking. And I, I guess it's almost like we started on this conversation basically on the premise that multitasking is a myth. Would you agree? Or what do I you think, think? I think it's, man, it's like semantics. I I think at this point, the fact that true multitasking, like the concept of running two programs in your head at once is 
for all intents of purposes, a myth. Mm -hmm. Okay. Past that, we're, you're rapidly changing between jobs in your head. Mm -hmm. I think there are efficient ways and inefficient ways to do it. And I, I actually don't think that this, this concept is getting very far off track because I look at this as process for effective multitasking. So mm -hmm. let me, let me yeah. like do this one. Right. So, um, I use a really analog approach to things that I, that have the risk of affecting my focus. A great example of this would be, okay, you know that you want to make a note about tooling. So you go over to your computer, you open your computer and you type yourself a note in some type of file, mm -hmm. but you just open like a portal. And who knows, maybe you have email pop-ups and you just see it. Or maybe Facebook is still running in the background and you go in there. Okay, that versus you walk to the shelf, you pull out your three ring binder. You don't worry about where the location is. You're just finding a blank piece of paper and you're writing yourself a data entry. Mm -hmm. And you're closing the three ring binder and you're going back to work. Mm -hmm. There's no, there's no like major draw on your cognition but you just created something that will save you time in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's discoverable. It's, it's discoverable. discoverable yeah. It's discoverable, teachable information. And then you go and you look in that book later and you may, you, maybe you need to reorganize some of the information mm -hmm. or maybe then that becomes data entry because you want to have it, you know, digital. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. a separate job. Certain job types I think are as a maker, are more, <laughs> more taskable, multitaskable than mm -hmm. others. You listen to audiobooks, right? And podcasts while you're working. All, yeah. All the time. There's jobs you can't do while you're actually oh, processing that information. For sure. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There yeah. are jobs where you can listen to music probably, but it's just in the background because mm -hmm. you're not actually pro anything with numbers text. Um, so I can do like basic, CAD design and have a movie on in the background, but it's just, it's just background noise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're not tuned into it. You're not tuned in with, with, if I'm doing cam stuff and like actually having numbers, I, I like can't listen to things with information that I have to process. Yeah. Me neither. Me neither. It just yeah. doesn't work. Almost a hundred percent of the time. If I sit down in front of SolidWorks or fusion, the audio stops. Like I have yeah. to stop. And so for me, it's, if I'm working with my hands, it's a little different because it's, it's more hand-eye coordination and like repetitive motion, especially yep. if I'm like stoning blades or sharpening. But well, that, and that's the beautiful time, right? You have like a movie running in the background because your brain is not processing the job. That is mm -hmm. muscle memory. So I guess to pin down back to the semantics, it's like multitasking as in like left brain doing one thing, right brain doing another thing at the same time probably myth multitasking that as a term that we can use, we'd call it fast changing of focus efficiently in a way that is executable and without mistakes for the most part, that would be right. like productive multitasking. Right. Um, and, and so I've found that myself, I only have so many slots for things I can jump between. And for me, it's, it's, I found that it's better if I stayed at two. Because three is where I am going to start making mistakes. 
Right. So I always try to say like, what two things am I going to be doing? So it's like 90% of the time, one of the things is the machine, keep it running, the CNC. And then the second thing is I try to make sure it's just one thing, you know, because it's easy to say, well, I'm going to run the machine and I'm going to do this handful of things on the side. Right. And that's where I get into trouble. I mean, it's literally juggling Mm -hmm. at a point. One thing gets slightly out of rotation. That shows how my brain works because I can only juggle two things, which we all know how easy it is to juggle two balls versus three. I mean, it's debatable. (laughs) But well, but and this is the thing, right? I I think a lot in terms of like long term gains and like percentile gains, Mm -hmm. right? I also don't this is, this is weird, right? Like you are a much more efficient worker than I am. So it's like weird because I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm really good at selling myself. Maybe you should come to my shop and watch me work and then then decide you're you're process oriented and I'm not right. Yeah. I could see. I spend a lot. I spend a lot of time jumping between ideas and like getting distracted and like making mistakes and then like swinging back around. And so in reality, I think it's probably the same way you feel about your work where you see it and you're like, yeah, I'm not as efficient as like you think I am. I think that I have, I have come up with ways of coping with less than ideal like tendencies or limitations for mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. And in that, like, okay, there's things where I'm like, okay, this is a strength. This is a weakness. I'm going to focus on the strength. And then try to kind of like buffer the weakness. But like, I also, with some of them, I don't care to change them. It's just the way my brain works. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, multitasking, man. Like I, today, today I have, <laughs> let's see, like, and, and I guess that's the other thing is like microtasking. Does it have to be macro, like quick decisions or can it be, I did not go into the shop today and work on one project for my allotted time of work. Right. Right. So mm-hmm. right now we can, we can end it. We're finishing a podcast before that I dropped product off at our shipping fulfillment before that I actually finished the product. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, it's like multiple times throughout the day I met up with a contractor this morning. So it's like, and maybe, maybe this is what everyone's doing. I think that there are, there are time blocks that you can work with that like over the course of my week, the way that my day was fractured is actually going to make more progress than if I had just gone in the shop and just worked Yeah, because I was able to eliminate multiple jobs. Right. 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 Able to like spread out the right amount in terms of where your focus is, but not too much early on. And that's the, that's the tricky balance, right? Mm -hmm. There are days where I realize like, man, I've worked 20 to 30 minutes on the, on everything and feel like I've accomplished nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, we yeah, had, that's, we a, had started, that's a tough feeling. Well, and, and I think some of it is like, these are like the founder's dilemmas, right? Where you're like, you're kind of sole source for a lot of either like the functional labor, strategic labor. There's things that, that are, they, they just, it comes back to you. So it's not like, Hey, this is your job. You do these steps. You go home at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Right. So some of this is like, is, is a needs must scenario in that we still want to create as much balance as possible. 
as much like, you know, satisfaction with, with our overall work. Um, right. We, and we've talked about this a little bit too, which is like the idea of deep work. Deep work to me is the opposite of multitasking. I agree. Yeah. Okay. Ultimately, I feel, I probably feel more satisfied with a workflow if it is, if I'm engaged in deep work. Same. Yeah. Okay. But we know that we can't always be in that state. Right. What is, so it's like, what is, what is a reasonable balance to strike between this like hustle kind of multitasking and what we consider deep work? Well, I can tell you, I usually start out the day thinking ahead of like which way I'm going to go with the day. Because like I said, I usually try to remind myself to only if I'm going to multitask a day, like only open two slots for that. But okay. if I if I know I'm going in, like, for example, if the machine's running, I've got the tools and parts set out and I've got a bunch of things to sharpen, which is what I did all day today. Then I start out the day like, OK, I'm multitasking. I've got two tasks. Let's get to it. Whereas if I'm coming in like I could just got that Pearson, I've got to make a pallet. If I'm going to design that palette, that's the only thing I'm going to do. And I know for a fact, if I'm sitting down and designing that, I will not be able to spin around, even if it's just spinning my chair and going and flipping parts, I will right. not be able to do that very well relative to like, I, it, it would open the door for a lot of mistakes because deep work is how I would describe like designing a fixture. You know what I right. mean? So I'll try to be decisive about it in the morning of like, I'm going to only do one thing right now, not two things. And so for me, it's, it's binary. It's either I'm doing one thing or doing, I'm doing two things and hopefully never three, if I can help it. Um, So here's, here's a, here's just a thought that I had about three. Maybe some of this stuff is an orders of complexity issue. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So essentially you can't be like, it's very hard to solve multiple problems simultaneously or even shifting quickly between them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I was just so I'm getting ready to run airline in that I have to, there's things, small things that I have to figure out, right? Not rocket surgery, but it's like, it's, I still am having to problem yeah. solve actively. Yeah. I could do that and run the machine probably, but I actually think, but should you, but should I, in the way that I actually think it would be an aggravation, Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Because the machine would stop running while I was involved in like, Hey, how do I like route this line? Mm-hmm. And it would, it's just enough of a draw where you're like to then get back on track. Mm-hmm. Whereas you're running the CNC machine and you're stoning blades. You could very easily deviate and sweep the floor for five minutes. Oh yeah, for sure you're doing three tasks or you could take the trash out. There's, mm. there's levels and, and over a day, the efficiency of having like, cool, I took a five minute break, which actually freed up my like, you know, cognitive cognition mm. a little bit. I wasn't like processing. Mm. And at the end of the day, you've swept to the shop. I think, I think my solution for that conversation is still to keep it always at two items, like almost as a law. But what I'll do is like today I, like I had a bunch of knives to sharpen this week and today I was like, I'm going to get them all done for sure. That's going to be my second task. But what I did is I know my belt, like my 400 grit belt, I only want to do 12 knives 
on the finish before I'm worried about heat in the edge. Um, and that's the second of a two grit progression. And so I would put, I have all the knives laid out on my main bench, but I have another bench by the sharpener. I'd put 12 knives on that bench. I would put a brand new belt on and I would sharpen all those knives. And then at the same time, keep the CNC running as the second task. Right. But then there's still 30 more knives sitting over there. But then if I want to stop and make that second task, sweeping the floor, making lunch, doing something else, I can do that. But then once I put 12 knives back over there and get started, that's all I'm doing. So it's like that second task. If I make it almost like uh, like incremental bite size, like this is a one hour commitment, another one hour commitment, another one hour commitment. And so I can change it, but it's always two. You know what I mean? It's always I like two that. Things. I've never, I've never broken it down in that way for myself. I guess, I guess in general, there's probably if the CNC machine is running and we're using that as like the example of multitasking. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I'm probably adding like, I just have one other job that I'm kind of actively doing either. I'm prepping mm-hmm. coupons for the next one, or I'm like cutting parts out or, you know, like reaming or doing something that is related to it where there's, mm-hmm. um, there's a, there's a third level, I guess, if we look at this, so kind of, we have the idea of like orders of complexity. Time is also another issue. So for instance, say you are heat treating in house and you're going to have a two hour heat treat cycle. Mm-hmm. If the other jobs fit inside of that, well, it's like, okay, so you turn on your heat treat oven, you have two hour block of time in that time. You can machine guaranteed. You can also stone blades. Oh yeah, for sure. So, but those are their time complementary tasks. Yeah. 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 If it's, if it's something that's like a true set it and forget it thing for, cause my example for that, I don't have heat treat in house, but my example for that would be the tumbler. I was just thinking and it, same and thing. it's like, I've got a timer on my tumbler. Yep. Um, and one of the things before I put a timer on the tumbler, what I would do is I knew I was going to tumble each set for one hour. And so I would, I would go over, I would make sure the parts were blasted for the next set. That set would go in and I would, I would, let's say I was in the shop at like seven 45 and I would look at the clock and it, I'm like, okay, seven 45, I would wait till eight on the money to start it. Yep. That way, for the rest of the day, every single change was on the hour. Yeah. And it, it was another way of like offloading, like the mental struggle. Um, and so yeah, even you don't with, have to remember it, even with a timer, if you just always hit that go button on the hour, then if you're like, Oh, I got to go run out and uh, get the mail out of the mailbox. You can look down and be like, I got seven minutes. I'm good. You know what I mean? And it just, it removes that math of your head of like, okay, it was eight forty seven. That's a, you know, like trying to do calculations of like where you're at on different cycles and whatnot. Right. Um, and then as soon as it gets destabilized, it's like, well, I, it went 10 minutes long. And then the next knife you go to pull out and you're like, oh, the last one went 10 minutes long. So that means this one's been in there this long. And you start yeah. like thinking, and that's where those third items could come up to get you. But with tumbling with that process in mind, I've been able to get it to where, yeah, I guess I, that would break the law of two for me, but I don't think it breaks the law because you weren't you weren't thinking about that because it's a passive yeah. process. Yeah, yeah. So I think that if you're looking at this, say you were going to create, say you're going to create a workflow sheet hmm. for multitasking in your shop. You had an employee who is going to multitask, and you're like, "Here's what I expect." 
you realize that actually throwing too many balls up is going to create more problems than it's worth. Mm -hmm. But you also realize that for the time they're there, they have enough hit points to be able to manage the tumbler on a timer, swapping parts in the CNC and stoning blades. Mm -hmm. So you have an active, which is analog, right? It's hand mm-hmm. controlled. You're, mm-hmm. you're, you're doing it. Yeah. Okay. The CNC is passive, but with semi-frequent interaction. Right. Okay. That's okay because the job that you're doing can be picked up and put down at any time. Mm-hmm. And the tumbler, the only requirement for that one is that you need to have it on some type of time system. Mm. Like it's you, you're going to get a beep. So here's, here's the fourth, right? So I just want to blow big old holes in your multitasking. Okay. Yeah. While you're doing that, you're also listening to a podcast on personal finance or on or, to edge and flow podcast no. or, yeah, or edge and flow <laughs> podcast. But like, <laughs> For all you listeners out there. (laughs) Yeah. Nice product plug there. But like you can, you can be, you can be improving a skill set or increasing your knowledge base actively while doing three other tasks. So the question Mm -hmm. is, is that multitasking? I think the closest thing you could describe to multitasking would be listening to audio content while say stoning a blade. But it's almost like motor function because with stoning, it does come down to like a motor function thing where it's totally. like, it's, it's off of your actual computational part of your brain. Right. It's like, it's like, you know, rowing a boat and you're like sitting there talking to somebody. It's like, you're not thinking about rowing the boat, you know what right. I mean? Like your arms are just doing it. Um, so that if it's truly like a simple motor function task, that's, that also adds a little bit. Well, of and, and simple, dynamic. simple to you. Yeah. If it was your first day at a bench and you got a big old pile of stones there and you you don't even know what scratches yeah. to look for. And, and TJ just told you like, make sure all your scratches are going in the same way. And like you nodded your head, but you didn't understand what he meant. Yeah. You're not going to get the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, right? yeah. You could be doing it and you could be doing, you could be listening to language. Yeah. Like you could be doing language learning and your brain would be able to process that. So, so I guess maybe multitasking isn't a myth if one of the things is <laughs> motor function only. And one of the things is like intellectual only. Well, and this is why I've made the distinction between like what we do and working in an office environment. So mm-hmm. office environment, multitasking might look like what you are checking your email while trying to write some type of, I don't know, document or proposal Mm -hmm. or answer like talking on the phone while you're trying to type an email. That Mm -hmm. seems like a very obvious case of multitasking that would be almost impossible. Mm -hmm. That is us doing CAD while listening and processing information. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is like social interaction requires you to have some sort of output, some sort of like feedback, whereas audio content, like if you're listening to a podcast, you can absorb and you're not, you don't have to calculate what your response is at the same time. So right. it's almost like talking on the phone is multitasking it itself because you're listening to someone talk and processing their information and running yeah. 
a secondary process of putting together words to say back. Yeah. And so that's why talking on the phone is very hard to do most things, but you can talk on the phone and drive. Maybe you shouldn't, but you technically shouldn't. can. People Because do it. you could argue that driving is pure motor function. You know what I mean? Once you And I would I would make the argument. So this is from my own experience. I've spent a significant amount of time talking on the phone. I would say like to Tom Crine over the years, yeah. like while I'm working and he's working and we've got headsets in and I do, I have enough time logged that I can say that there is an efficiency decline mm-hmm. because you're, you're just, you're involved in a conversation. So even if it's just like occasionally getting wrapped up into the conversation and stopping what you're doing, the focus is broken mm-hmm. fully like driving, even on a headset. I don't care that it's gross motor and like you can keep it between the lanes. Your reflexes will decline. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I, I rode motorcycles for a long time and like we would do trips like cross country trips and stuff and with, with headsets and you notice it more than you do in a vehicle because like, at least for me, like anytime I'm on a bike, like it's the idea that like no one can see you. Everyone's trying to kill you. Mm-hmm. In a car, Defensive. we feel like very safe. It's like you're you're just like in a rolling bedroom. Like oh, I'm in yeah. my like safe box. Mm-hmm. In that, I noticed that when I would be on a com, or like on a phone call, or or headset to another rider or something, your your processing speed for what's happening around you is different. Mm-hmm. Try oh, to yeah, answer a question sure. and look over your shoulder, or like look left or check your mirrors. Like all of it starts to jumble. Yeah. So it's, I think that. Ca- it's kind of like this, the thing have you seen where it's like if you're looking for someone's home address or something and you have to yeah. turn your radio down. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because as soon as you start to go into like observation mode of like looking for an object or a thing, right. you can't listen to the radio or whatever. It's kind of right. like that. Your brain automatically starts to like cancel out all these other processes. Right. Um, yeah. It's almost like we need to we need to get into a lab and have them hook, a mus- hook us up to all those little sticky pads on our noggins, shave our heads and stuff. And have us do tasks and give us like numerical ratings for the the load, like the brain load for each task we do. Then we can stack them up perfectly. So this one's 20 points out of 100. No, I'm just kidding. I'm being Well, here, here's a weird one. This actually, this actually like kind of ties in um, a little bit. So recently I went through testing for ADHD mm-hmm. to like summarize it at the end of the conversation, one of the questions was like, there's two main, there's two main paths that we could take. Okay. Either we realize that you are experiencing symptoms of, you know, attention deficit, right? And you are okay with your capacity and you figure out ways to reduce the load. Mm -hmm. That's option one. Or we figure out ways to allow you to maintain a higher capacity. Okay. What I realized for myself was that at this point in my life, I have no desire, nor do I really have the ability to reduce my current capacity. Okay. But all of it is so that at some point I can reduce my level of obligation. Mm. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, basically what that means is either medication or not medication and being able to do what I'm doing 
plus maybe, or at least manage what I'm doing efficiently now or struggle and reduce. Yeah. It's like super, super like basic right. way of explaining the conversation. Yeah. But I, when I, when I, when we had it, I was like, Oh, that like makes perfect sense. Like at this point in my life, like I actually don't want to slow down. Yeah. Uh, have you ever seen the movie limitless? I haven't, but I heard of it. Is that, okay. uh, the pill. So you or have something. to watch it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It basically, basically, yeah, it takes like the limitless pill, um, which is like what nootropics and like microdosing and like all these little arenas essentially are kind of leaning towards, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so I want to improve. I want improved cognition. I want improved performance. It's like the old ten percent of your brain adage. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so it's like in that movie, either, he unlocked you, the full potential. You either rearrange your living room and get rid of one of your recliners or you knock out a wall and put an addition on. Right. And it's like, those are two different options, but yeah, not being able to walk across your living room because you have too many couches is probably not the best. option. Pro- it's probably not the option. So yeah. for me, this also relates to work, right? Which is, I like very diverse styles of knives. I like building my brand. I like doing design work. So my options are to struggle with each of those or to not do them and like focus on one thing. Mm-hmm. My, in my, like the back of my head, like my version of like relaxed retirement would be like sitting down to build three knives completely by hand for like my grandkids, you know, boy scouts, girl scouts, troop or something mm-hmm. where there's no like that's it i just sit down i work through a knife in the time that it takes me to work through that knife yeah. at this point in my career that doesn't work right not for me right so what are the options you either learn to multitask in as efficient manner as you can mm-hmm. or you don't the more I, the more I think about it, the more, the more I want to stick to my guns on the, like the law of two. Okay. Cause I, I keep thinking about the times cause I'm just like rewinding my, what I've done in the shop and stuff. And I think there's the, uh, there's another factor because there's a, there's a load meter and it's not like you hit the end and you run out of ability and then it's over. It's like, totally. there's, there's a red zone and a yellow zone. And for me in the yellow zone is where. I'm getting it done, but I'm getting annoyed. You know what I mean? I'm getting, I'm getting slightly irritated. Right. Or I'm getting, it's not even fatigue. It's it, annoyance is probably the best word I have for it you're because itchy. it's like, yeah, itchy. Like you're, you're doing two things and let's say you're looking at the clock and that one hour, let's say it's 10 o'clock, you got to flip apart and the spindle stops. Yeah. Yeah. You can just turn the tumbler off, change the part, then go to the spindle, but you got to wash your hands, then go to the spindle. And pretty soon you're hearing the spindle stop when you're in the middle of something in that yellow zone makes you makes me like a little bit angry almost like it almost is like when someone bops you on the top of your cuss button or something like mm-hmm. it's just a little bit of a jolt of like gosh dang it like i timed it wrong i'm like i i'm not quite perfect and it's like uh i think when i'm at when i'm at two i'm not when i'm at two tasks i'm not where i could be but right. I know I'm not in the yellow zone. And right. when, when the spindle stops, I don't feel aggravated. And so at the end of the day, I don't have this like almost nervous tick going on of like, oh, spindle, you know, like hopping from thing to thing. 
So it's almost like a self-preservation thing as much as it is a productivity thing. Right. And if you, well, there's like throw another concept into this, right. Which is important verse, like emergent or emergency. Yeah. Yeah. The machine beeping is actually not urgent. Right. It's important that you change the part. Mm-hmm. In no way does it matter if you change the part within the next five to 10 minutes. Right. There is not a foreman who's going to come tell you, TJ, why have you not changed this part? The spreadsheet that your machine output to my computer yeah. says that you did this. The, you know? you're, where are you? Yeah. So some of that, I think that's like job shop work versus what we're doing. Sometimes I think you just realize like, hey, if you change out the part four times a day, Mm. At least you did four times. Right. Is that better than if you didn't do it at all? The only thing is I'm building a business model that does, because the machine is so imperative to what the way I'm doing it, this, the spindle stopping for me does matter because I know for a fact, like for example, all I I added it up. There's a a knives that that are on my bench. The number it's 700. And it's about 750 cycle starts to finish these knives. That's so if insane. I if I add a minute to every single one, total and 10 to 15 to some, yeah. we're talking weeks. Like we're talking okay, you totally. know what I mean. And in and in that, yeah, absolutely. So just disregard what I said. In in where well, you're at with that type of production, sure, you're not going to leave your machine sitting for an extra 10 minutes. Point being, if you're changing over the tumbler and it's an extra 30 seconds. Right. It's not right. worth the cognitive stress to be like, okay, just finish the two minute job and then yeah. go change the part. Yeah. Because the yeah. fact that you're tumbling and are resetting the tumbler in my, I think, experience is still that it's an overall efficiency gain. Right. Because yep. you're tumbling parts. And yep. once you waste that two or five minutes, you then have another 30 minute cycle where that's being efficient. Right. 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 Yeah. No, but that's the balance point. Yeah. It, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting juggle. I mean, man, it's like, uh, it really is juggling in every sense of the word. And it's like one is an egg and one is a hacky sack. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that you're juggling. Yeah. And one's a bouncy ball. <laughs> and so it's like, right. well, you have to think a little bit about it. this is the one I'm not going to drop. The other two can drop if I have to, you know what I mean? What? So that, it ties into a lot of elements. I think of what we do too. Like we've talked about the, so like my concept with being a freelance designer for knife companies for years, I was sure that I could have three companies. I actually couldn't. I can actively work with two companies. Mm -hmm. It, it allows me to focus in a way create designs that are not like overly similar and have interaction and relationships with those companies. Mm. Adding in the third company, I was, I never felt like I could give them the, the time or like devotion that it really would require Mm. to like foster that relationship and like help build the brand. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's multitasking because Mm. the other option is just to work with one company. Mm -hmm. And which I also realized like for me, I was like, that is not also the best course of action. Right. Right? Right. So I think that, I think that as makers, man, I don't even know, like as makers, maybe it's just like as small businesses, 
the ability to have diversification through either multiple processes, pay, uh, like pay, I don't know what to say, like, like pay forms, essentially like multiple, Mm -hmm. multiple revenue or multiple income streams. I just think it's so valuable that it's not even a question of if you should do it, Mm -hmm. if it's needs based, like, yeah, if someone came and dropped $10 million into my account, you know, tomorrow, if anybody's listening and wants to do that, just let me know. Yeah. Unless make, make it uh, 20. Yeah. Make it 20. <laughs> just nice and round. Yeah. Um, I was telling Maddie earlier, I was like, I love this. Um, I follow like surfing and, and competitions and stuff. And you have like competition surfers that are like on the tours and then you have like free surfers and like the free surfers always, that just seems like the coolest, like, look, here's the deal. You just go be you and surf in beautiful places and enjoy yourself and take some pictures and you're like a brand ambassador and representative. Mm. Sounds much better. Right. Like that's, fan- <laughs> yeah. that's nice. Like full competition. Yeah. Like, and, right. and obviously like I'm sure it appeals to different, different personality types. Yeah. Like but, guys with abs. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Personality <laughs> sounds, type, quote unquote. Sounds good. But, but yeah. if that was the case, like at this point, like I realized my necessity and desire to multitask is stemming from my desire to be successful in this business. Right. If it wasn't necessary, like, yeah, I'd probably be like doing nothing. You and everyone listening probably knows by now. I really like metaphors. Yeah. So (laughs) I just thought, so when I think about my like law of two, I, in the, in the last thing we just covered, where we're talking about the Tumblr and the CNC, it, the metaphor that I just thought of is like, you got an outlet, right? You got two plugs. You can plug a power strip into one of them. (laughs) Right. But, in my mind, like the CNC should have its own plug. And sometimes I could put a splitter and plug two things in on the second one, but I try not to. I feel like you should write a haiku around. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And may, that's I'm sure, fair. I'm sure it's different for different people. Some people got a whole freaking wall of plugs, like if it fifties phone center or something, but mine's two. I got two. Well, plugs. Okay. Here's, here's another concept. Let's bring this into it. Right. Which is, Oh man, I might've just lost it. I got too excited. Um, (laughs) okay. Well, okay. So we're talking, we're talking essentially multitasking macro scale, multiple jobs, same time over the course of hours or days. Mm -hmm. Uh, we are talking multitasking through the course of maybe a week. And then we're talking about kind of percentage range of like you running in the yellow. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's a concept too of like pulsing. Like you're not, you're not steady state. You are not going to be able to keep it sub yellow mm-hmm. all the time. Okay. Right. Say you do blade show next year. I can almost guarantee that you will spike no, into not, some, <laughs> some yeah. level of orange to red. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. That the question there is like, there's value there, mm-hmm. right? It's increased efficiency. It's like, it'd be like going fast in a car. Yeah. Yeah. Your focus, you are so attuned to the task at hand. Yeah. It's incredibly satisfying. Hit the rev limiter, just see what it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But how long do you stay there before it becomes a detriment as opposed yeah. to like, it's yeah. turbo, right? You hit turbo yeah. mode. Great. But you can't mm-hmm. stay there. 
Yeah. But if you do that four times a year, like if you're looking at it from like an income standpoint, who knows? Maybe that maybe those four times a year that you hit red increase your revenue by a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, exactly. Is it no, a that, day or a month well, of red? I can tell you when the CNC machine got delivered, I was in yellow to red for like three, two weeks probably. Yeah. And that's when it was finally running and operational, I dropped way down out of the yellow and it felt really good. But guess what? I've got this machine making parts now and yep. it's hauling ass and I'm really enjoying it. And it's like, I needed to do it. I needed to be in the red because I, I didn't want it to turn into like a, a two months of accumulating parts and fixtures and letting it sit. I was like, I have to go into the red right now, work through one weekend, make sure it's done. Um, and it's paying off. So it is exactly what you said. It's like you bounce into it and out. And I think being conscious of that is very important, you know, when you're in it. Super, when you're- super important. Well, and also like realizing, realizing where you want to exist on your bandwidth. So if I look at like, for me, pre marriage and kids, like I think I probably ran in like, I think I was like 85 to 90% of like my personal capacity mm-hmm. for a good portion of my life. I think right. I was actually way more stressed out than I needed to be and pushing way harder than I needed to be. But I didn't have these other time constraints or things being thrown into my field of vision that I would mm-hmm. have to attend to. Yeah. At this point, I don't know. I can't actually figure out like where I'm at. I feel like it's still like a little bit high. Where would I like to be? I would like to be efficient, creative and profitable at like 30%. Right. Because that means I have bandwidth to fully pulse. Mm-hmm. But like day to day, you you are just, you're just in like this sweet spot of like mm-hmm. the work is satisfying there's time like flexibility, you know? And I think, I think a lot of these concepts are tied up in, in like the hustle almost Mm -hmm. like this is what I always talk about the game of knife. Mm -hmm. Like this is what makes it fun, right? Is these little efficiencies where you're like, okay, cool. If I push hard now, it's going to pay off in this way Mm -hmm. in a year. Yeah. It's worth the push now. Yeah. As your career progresses, there's things where you realize you're like, oh, juice ain't worth the squeeze. Yeah. Well, and there's also there's there's seasons, I think, in in my life and probably many people's lives, but there also is like if you're at the right level, there's the operational level that you described at 30%, where you really can open your horizons like with hobbies and like family and do a lot of things. Right. And there's also probably the area you were describing before where it's like that little tiny sting on the edge of the top end of that meter where you're not like dying, but you're, you're feeling it. There's like an addiction property to that too. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so there's like, there's seasons where it's like, maybe you're not totally in the red, but like you're enjoying a little bit of adrenaline from like pushing it hard. Um, and just like, that's kind of where I'm at and I have, you know, two young kids, so it's a balance. So I'm like going in and out on that, on that level, you know, on a weekly basis. But if I lay down five full, you know, days a week and I feel like I was kind of in the yellow, yeah. I actually feel better about the week than if I was too low. If it, right. if it was, and so that's where I'm at right now, maybe not always, but I, right. I think that's, 
there's a lot of different seasons in life to do different things with that. Fully. I, I always like, that's like something I try to remember for myself is like the, the concept of everything in its season. Yeah. And season like obviously takes on like a longer term kind of connotation, but the, you know, it's, it's just, it's that balance point, right? Like if all of a sudden your business is doing so well that you're working, let's say six days a week and you're working like 11 or 12 hours a day and man, the money is really coming in good, but you're not spending time with your kids or like you're missing a vacation. Like that's where if you exist in there for a long time, like you're going to feel it mm-hmm. and the money that you're making is probably not going to, for you justify the output of time. Right. For sure. So, and I think that that is where some of these concepts around like multitasking come from, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you work towards one layer of efficiency, efficiency creates movement and growth. If you have one layer, that thing just continues to become more and more and more. Not to say that you couldn't like, couldn't the like backspin that and say, well, okay, I'm, I'm really efficient at this product I make and I only have to make the product for three days a week to pay all of my bills. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's hard. I feel like it's hard to do that. Right. Right. right? And so you yeah. create these little, like these little shifts where you're like, oh, I'm working on this too. And like, this is satisfying in this way. It maybe, maybe it does. From a purely, hmm, man, I don't, I don't actually know. Like what would the metric be that if there was, if there was an efficiency loss, where is the efficiency loss? Maybe it's on like some skill level or mastery level of a certain like process or, or, or like element of a job, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like if you were to, if I was just to say, okay, I'm going to focus all of my time, all of it on becoming a hand engraver, I'm going to become probably a far better engraver than if I'm engraving a little bit here and there. Yeah. The question is, is it more valuable for me to become an engraver or to have those other elements? Yeah. Right. I saw somewhere on Instagram or something that's something I really liked because everyone's heard the like jack of all trades, master of none. Right. Lingo. Well, I heard it extended and I don't know if it was the original full phrase, but it's like jack of all trades, master of none, still better than a master of one. Yeah. And it's like, I would lean towards that. I would lean towards that as well, because it's like, well, not in all cases, because we need, we need the people who are going to get like pushed the envelope of humanity, like getting to the edge. You know what I mean? Like sometimes if you want to cure cancer, Maybe you're not going to have a family life. Maybe that person's not going to do this. The They're, key, the key word yeah. there is specialization. You get the Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, like types that they're yeah, just Elon Musk. Would he not be like the best argument for multitasking? Oh, that's true. I mean, yeah, he's, he's probably got a lot more than two plugs. I, I think he probably does. <laughs> like, yeah. So yeah, he's running uh, on a different, there's a yeah, different something going on. He's got on. a different software. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's, he's got the update I never got. So, <laughs> but uh, I don't, I don't know if I would, I don't know if I'd ultimately want it. Right. No. I mean, I think it was on a Joe Rogan podcast. He he asked him like, what's it like to be you? I think was the question. He said, you don't want to be me yeah. was his answer. Um, 
And that was kind of interesting. Yeah. And he probably realizes, he probably realizes the load that comes with what he's doing, but also is so engaged in it that he's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I'm doing this, but like, you wouldn't want to trade spots. Yeah. Or, and and it's probably because he probably wouldn't want to trade spots with someone experiencing a similar thing that wasn't the, weren't the problems he was solving. I think people like that back to the idea of like the red zone of that meter of like pressure. It's like, if, if he's in the red zone, I assume for him, it's like a, it's like a morphine drip or like a crack cocaine addiction to be in the red of where it's like, he can't get out of it without like spinning into just, depression or whatever it is right it's like he has to be in the red to even be alive um and i think well, that's where here's he can... we can tie in another element to this right which is delegation mm-hmm. at at like elon's station at this point there is a huge amount of delegation you're telling me he doesn't weld those rockets I mean, I actually wouldn't be surprised to like <laughs> see a video of him in there doing it. Yeah. He's not welding all of them, right? Yeah, right. And that's the thing. So like you and I have talked about, I think like um, Tim Ferriss. So I'm like a huge fan of Tim Ferriss. And like, the, mm-hmm. like I think in 2011, he wrote the four hour work week. Mm-hmm. Um, still very relevant. Not as, not necessarily as like a process manual or like how to do this, but how to look at time and value in a way that is not maybe standard for most people. Mm. Right. And so this idea, like I, I suffer from it. I would guess that like a lot of people that are doing their own businesses probably suffer from it, which is like the, I can do it myself Mm -hmm. scenario. Like multitasking can also exist around the concept of, I need to get this done. I am not the best person to do it. Well, there's something to be said for like, there's always the, the, the narrative of like the founder is always the best person to run the company. Right. And then like subsequent leaders usually aren't quite as good as the original. Right. Um, and I think part of that is like the Jack of all trades narrative of like they, in order for them to have built a business and it not failed at one point, they were doing all the jobs or they at least were involved and they're probably doing the accounting. They were the ones that slept the swept the floor. Um, and so I think you can, you can delegate better when you know what you're telling this person to do. Right. You know what I mean? Um, Well, it's different because you're the source. It's like the teachable thing, right? So mm -hmm. say it's sandblasting. Okay. You can, you can teach someone to sandblast a part. You can teach them like, Hey, this is the surface finish I want. Okay. And they can do that. Mm -hmm. But if the media breaks down, they can maybe see that the surface is not what they need it, but they don't understand why, or maybe the nozzle wore out Mm -hmm. or maybe the siphon isn't functioning and actually the media is restricted or maybe the air is not dry enough and the media is getting wet Mm -hmm. at the point where they've diagnosed all of the problems. They become, closer to your skill level. And that's the thing because so much of what we're learning, we're learning organically. Really uh, like a counselor that I had, therapist dude that was super rad and did, he did like executive coaching and like also therapy stuff. Um, He had told me one time, he's like, don't ever expect anyone to be you. Mm. And it was, it really stuck with me because I just realized like, no, no, I taught, if I teach you to do this 
essentially functionally you're me, but, but there's not the, there's not the abstract problem solving and, and reference to pull from Mm -hmm. associated data. It doesn't exist. It's, it's divorced from other parts of your brain that you, you weren't even aware the connections were made. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Tom, like any, any, so when you think about that, like from a process of like teaching an employee, like it's all doable, but ideally what you want is someone who is autonomously able to think through the process. Mm -hmm. Except if you don't, because you're in a, you're in a, like a manufacturing environment that you actually need specialization of a task. Yeah. And you have someone oversight and there's a foreman that comes in and is like, Oh, the media is bad or it's on a cycle timer to where, Hey, it's been 60 hours and we need to change it. Yeah. So there's like, there's a lot of things I think that we're dealing with on this very small kind of solo shop scale. Yeah. That are, they've probably all the problems have been solved. One example for me of one of the few delegation things I've actually done so far is I, there was a time where I would file my own taxes and I did all my own accounting and everything. I hired a CPA a couple of years ago, started working with him. But what I liked in doing that, the way that I did it is I probably made mistakes. I probably could have saved money ultimately if I'd hired a CPA for those couple of years. But when I sit down with a CPA and I just show him my information, it's organized in a way that I know he's going to be able to read it because I've, right. I've actually done that before. And right. I can ask him questions that are relevant. Right. And I think I was never, I would, I was never even proficient. I was a novice, right. right? but I think, I think there's something to be said for actually doing everything that you're going to ask someone to do. It's cool to have at least tried it yourself. Right. Um, and I think that's where, I think that's where you can be a, a good leader. If that's how you're going to set your business up is with delegation is if you've been there, done that at least to a small degree, and you may be hiring a specialist that's leagues above you in skill. But to at least know the format, the language, the, you know, the foundation of different tasks, I think is, is valuable. Oh man. Like priceless. I I worked in like a dive bar for like 10 years and I want a really good friend of mine was the, like the manager. Mm -hmm. And I remember he would always scrub the toilets and like, this is like, this is a college dive bar. Like this is not like a job where the the manager would, yeah, this is like, yeah gnarly. Right. And it was just never a question. And it was like, it was a task that he knew that he could do that was simple, right? A simple task, but that anyone that saw him doing it understood that it was a crummy job. Mm -hmm. It actually creates a lot of loyalty. Like in that environment, you're just like, man, like taking one for the team. Yeah. You're not delegating it, it, not making the bar back do it. And it just, it gives people an, an impression that he's not asking things of you because he wants to have the easy life. Exactly. He's asking things of you because he literally doesn't have the time, which isn't right. necessarily the same thing. Right. Um, and so it's like, if you're, if the first thing you delegate in your shop is the three things that are the least fun, right. It may be the smartest move in some ways for your own well being, But at the other hand, it can create like a toxicity of right. like, wow, I get the shitty jobs. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, so that, that's yeah. brilliant. I've never, really I, thought I thought it was that. really good. And I mean, it's just a yeah. good, because of so many of the things that we would outsource, like for the most part. So for me too, the first person I ever hired was an accountant because I realized mm-hmm. like that accountant at $90 an hour at that time was way more efficient than me at whatever mm-hmm. I made trying to hack my way through my taxes. Yep. And but, never but, looked back. Yeah. 
for sure. No, it's it's that that's like almost the first one to hire. Yeah. I mean, there's there's few things that should come earlier than that, really. Second hire was office because mm-hmm. at that point I was having a really hard time responding to emails. Um, not that that's actually gotten any better, but I was having a hard time responding to emails, shipping packages, and just like day to day logistics. Yeah. So for me, I had two options. I can either hire someone and put them in the shop and have more emails, logistics, and shipping to do, or I can hire someone to help me in the office and I can be as efficient as I need Mm -hmm. in the shop. And that made a huge amount of sense to me. Yeah. Wait, wait, a ton of sense for sure. Yeah. And that's that idea of like, well, one, I enjoy the work. Two, I'm, I'm efficient at it. Not to mention that kind of work. Cause I'm in the same position of considering yeah. like what, what are my next delegation moves? It's considering the the type of task that how can I set someone up to succeed if they're, if they're going to help me in a way that what I'm telling them or asking them to do is approachable. And I think right. having someone work in an office environment that's, you know, clean, quiet and stuff, it's like, it's more approachable. Cause right. I always have this thought of like, if I bring in someone to a machine shop, like if that's not their environment, like manufacturing, right. like the odds of burning them out, like in the first day of listening to an air compressor or something like that is pretty right. high. But if it's like, you're going to get the cushy, cool, nice office chair, I'm going to be yeah. out in the, in the pit. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's, that's a good way to approach it. It works. And there's also like separation of tasks and some autonomy. Like here's mm-hmm. how you ship a package. Mm-hmm. Right. And then like where we're at at this point. So like, you know, Maddie has worked with me for six years, right? Five, five years. And a lot of, in that time, she was in that like kind of logistics role as of like a, maybe six months or a year ago, probably a year ago, we've moved the majority of the shipping to a fulfillment center. Mm-hmm. At this point, Maddie is moving into doing like more graphic design work which awesome. she really enjoys and has like an aptitude for mm-hmm. and is being able to do some handwork in, in like the leather side of things, which we are in the process of setting up. And it's like, that to me is the level, like the right level of delegation where you're like, okay, her time is not best spent shipping packages. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean that in two ways, which is like her efficiency there's a more efficient way to do it, mm-hmm. but there's also a more enjoyable workflow. Yeah. And she's a creative her. person. obviously. And she's a so. creative, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think you look at it and you're like, okay, uh, you delegation creates efficiency. Ideally efficiency creates income. Income creates the ability to delegate and create yeah. more efficiency. Yeah. Right. And lessens your, your need to multitask. Right. And this is like moving away from like the, you know, puritanical ideas of like work is penance. Like mm-hmm. I like to work. Yeah. I don't want it to be a punishment. Mm-hmm. I, I have paid my dues in many respects. I feel like, and I actually, I don't know that paying dues in a certain way makes a business more efficient, right. like struggling through things and doing the hard work. I don't know is always actually the best idea. Right. All right. Best case scenario, you do everything right the first time. Man, sweet. <laughs> As I'm probably a, messing up something right now. Same here. Yeah, no. No. Multitasking, man. Multitasking. That's that good, one. That was a that was a fun one. That's fun. So, so what's the right level? You know, like where where does it exist? Also, 
you guys listening to this, I would be super curious. I know we have like a lot of different career paths. Do you guys multitask in your career? Is it, does it work? Is it expected? If you're an employee, are you made to multitask? If you're listening to this, just out of curiosity, go to our Instagram that we just created edge and flow pod at edge and flow pod and comment how many ports you think you have in your brain. Are are you Elon Musk with like 85? Are you me with like one and a half or what? What do you got? Man, I've just got like one 12 volt yeah. like, <laughs> cigarette. A couple lighter. of wire leads, like some yeah, Romex coming out of the wall, like <laughs> jumper cables. Like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. That's a, hmm, it's a fun one. Well, and it, and it's cool too. I think through all this, like the idea of deep work, right. Which is the connection. After we talked last week, I had kind of come up with this method. I don't think we talked about it last week at all. I kind of come up with this thought process, which is I might try to start doing some like pretty extreme deep dive. So like work in a process for a month. Mm -hmm. Right. So for like a great example would be like normally in a month, I like I'm making some knives. I'm doing some design work. I'm building side pops. I'm doing like deals with like the like factory side of things and just like what product design I might just make Cypops for one month, like only mm-hmm. Cypops. Yeah. And in that it would be like machining new forms, yeah. doing like car versions, just existing in there mm-hmm. or only design for a month and see if like for myself, there's an efficiency there. Like obviously throughout a year, you couldn't like probably do one month, one month, one month. Right. Mm-hmm. But like, but blocks. might be able to do it like a quarter. Well, it's just like uh, univer- certain universities have done a block system. I don't know if you've heard of that. Uh-uh. There's there's a university near where I grew up in Montana, Dillon, Montana, um, Montana Western, and a f- bunch of my friends went to college there, and they would tell me about it when they came back, and they would. So you know, normally in a college semester, you have like six classes or five classes all throughout the week. Mm-hmm. They did what's called a block system, where one class you'd sign up for all your classes for the semester. You'd only do one class for like five weeks and finish it and then start another one and then another one and another one. And then you'd finish the semester and you finished like five classes, but they never overlapped. They were blocks. And so they call it the block system for education. Was there any, did it work? Is there like research on it? I think, I don't know the research. I, I thought it sounded really cool. Um, but I don't know much about it. I as like far the as... idea. I like the idea of being like test dummies for a few things. Like I think it'd be pretty, yeah. like I have the, I have the ability to work on one thing for a month. Like the forging mm. stuff. I think that's a prime one for like the winter where I'm like, all right, every day I'm going to go on, I'm going to turn on my forge. And the only product that I'm going to make in that month directly will be forged. I think mm. that would be like super valuable. Yeah. Rotate yeah. back two months of like normal business work. Yeah. And then another deep dive. Yeah, man, it's exciting. I don't know if I can do it, but I, may, I might have to try well, that. Well, we'll have to have another podcast, uh, and a, <laughs> a recap, a recap, Set, setting myself up. All right, uh, guys, if if you would leave us a review, uh, I don't know, make a recommendation to a friend trying to get some traction on this thing. We're having a lot of fun, and we appreciate any yeah. any feedback. Thank you guys you for the shout us. out so far too. There's a couple people that have kind of touched base with me and you too as well i'm sure and yeah same it's, it's been cool. really good it's really cool it's fun to oh. fun to have and i'd love to chat with you if you send me a message like if you have any questions about things we talked about or input let me know yep 
topics you guys want to hear about or want us to ramble, <laughs> ramble yeah. on and like try to answer questions right. for ourselves about. All right. We're in. Cool guys. Appreciate it. All right. We're out. See you guys next time.